welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation. And in this episode, we'll be discussing FC Dallas' 3-2 loss up in Minnesota. Uh, but not before we talk a little bit about Reggie Cannon and Cobra and, and what's going on in those two situations. Here with me to talk shop is Tristan Vick. How's it going, Tristan? It's going well. And also with us is Jonathan Ross. Howdy, Jonathan. Hey, Dustin. All right, so... Uh, well, one of the biggest issues FC Dallas had up in Minnesota was uh, a little bit of a mishmash of personnel uh, that got that got the run out. Um, and, you know, besides a couple injuries, uh, one of the reasons for the roster change uh, was Reggie Cannon has been officially announced as sold to Boa Vista FC in Portugal. Uh, Jonathan, by Vista. By Vista. Okay. See, it's well documented on this show that I am terrible at pronouncing things that don't come from Oklahoma. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, um, it's looking like it's a initial fee of $2 million as a report, reported by um, by soccer um, SBI. Uh, $2 million up front. With the fifty million sell-on clause, with a the Boavista has the option to cut that fifty percent sell-on clause in half um, by paying one point five million to FC Dallas. So it could be a total of up to three point five million plus a twenty-five percent sell-on fee. So uh, you know it's not probably what you'd think you would have gotten pre-COVID, but uh, it's not nothing to sneeze at either. No, it's not. But I think it kind of played into any potential buyer's hands because this was somebody that everybody knew wanted to leave. And this was somebody who has resale value if he hits. And if he doesn't hit, it's a pretty small investment because, um, like I said, the first reason he wanted to leave. So... Yeah, um, it's a pretty low risk move. If I mean, when when players are going for sixty or seventy million on the regular in in Europe, the three millions what a, uh, a not a whole lot of investment is it? Well, I mean Reggie's pretty raw, and he is only, he's already twenty two, right? Which he's only played a season and a half or so. Of first team football, maybe I guess he's in his second season or third season, but he um, really is still a bit of a project. He's not his consistency is something that uh, can be left to desire. Now, I don't know much about this club, but um, they like to have projects and they've. Uh, they're at least in the top flight, so he's going to be getting a run-in against some uh, a decent competition regularly if he can get a, a spot in the squad. And, you know, it. this is kind of what... We've seen this time and time and time again with American, usually defenders, but sometimes midfielders, usually not strikers, but where they have a couple good seasons in America or a good U-20 World Cup. And they get bought up by these foreign clubs looking to, I mean, they'll probably sell some percentage of shirts now with his name on the back from America. 
and that that'll probably pay for the fee itself. And then, but a lot of these guys flame out, and so I'm hoping Reggie keeps his head down. Portugal's pretty isolated. We've had some. Um, he probably talked to somebody like Keaton Parks, who played in Portugal um, a couple years ago. Maybe he even called Freddie Adu. Freddie Adu, yeah. <laughs> um, Freddie had a good run out with Benfica for a little while. Uh, but but the Portuguese league is a development league that has some really a couple of really strong teams at the top. So I'm excited yeah, I mean, to see it. I don't know that I would expect him to be a $60, $50 million player just because very rarely do you see somebody spend that much on a fullback, um, even if they're like the best in the world. Uh, but I think... Sure. But I think Reggie, it'll be good exposure. And if nothing else, um, he's playing in a more consistent environment than the MOS. He's on a European calendar. He's not stuck uh, with MOS issues. He's not going to be called up for these domestic-only USA camps. I don't see why he wouldn't take the move. Yeah, I mean, and there's also the side side benefit is that – Boa Vista is is actually owned by the same owner that owns Lille in uh, in France. So, you know, there's it's all it's kind of being talked about as a possible tryout. I guess you could say spend send spend a season or two in Portugal, see how it goes, and then you can get that that move back up up to uh, Ligue 1. Are you saying you think he's gonna like he's of the caliber to start at Lille? No, uh, okay. not not yet. I'm uh, saying that 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 it is a is a safe way for them to try out Reggie Cannon uh, and see if it's something that they want to some if he's the type of player they want to bring up to Lille. Gotcha. Yeah, Lille has a pretty established right back, but yep, I could see that being something they look at. But yeah. Jonathan, any thoughts on, I mean, on Reggie's departure? Uh, I'm just don't take this the wrong way, but I'm, I'm just happy it's done. So my my concern over the last couple of weeks, last few weeks, was um, that there was going to be rumors uh, that there was going to be some interest, and for whatever reason, it wasn't going to pan out. Obviously, the uh, they did some pre work with the contract renewal, made it easier for Reggie to move on from FC Dallas, which was which is a positive thing. Uh, so I, I think it's it's good that he ended up where where he did. I think it's good that he's getting that opportunity. Uh, it, it's great for him, which uh, you, know, you guys were just talking about. You know, chances for uh, for him to to prove himself. You know, on the other side of the pond. I think it's also good for FC Dallas from from a couple couple perspectives. One, uh, it shows the the up and coming players, whether they be in the academy or. Uh, NTSC or wherever that this can be a selling club, um, and then it also gives you know opportunities for people like we saw uh, last night where uh, you know Brian Reynolds got to go the full I guess ninety five um, for the first time right and uh, in some ways it almost feels like it's not a coincidence that the uh, as one homegrown moves out another one takes his place so I mean that that part that part's exciting. Absolutely. Well, something that may not be as exciting is um, 
Zdenek Andresik's absence from the team. Uh, he missed the last match. Was, did he miss the one previous as well or just this one uh, with uh, for personal reasons? And there's a lot of speculation going on uh, about is he being sold? Is he trying to force his way out? Um, Jonathan, what did Lucci say at the press conference today? Before I get into the exact quote, now, first off, uh, Lucci is – uh, an overly honest person, and it may be maybe to a fault. So I think, uh, especially in the press conferences, we've seen this actually talking uh, uh, when he was on, I think, 105.9, the fan to a lot of times he talks from the heart. And so if, if Lucci's telling me that uh, Cobra has a personal or family issue that he needs to attend to, I, I'm going to assume that that's the accurate truth. It's not, it's not about unhappiness with the club or a, a deal to trade. Um, but when I asked him today in the press conference about, you know, what's what's going to happen with with Cobra? Do they have a timetable for his return? Uh, I'll do a quick quote. Uh, you know, there, this is Lucci. There's a family situation, a private situation that I can't go into detail about that. He just needs time to process. And I respect that. And we, res- and we respect that as a club. I'm not sure if we will see him soon or even again. And that's the reality of the situation. So, I mean, to me, yeah, that's that's the closest thing that Lucci can come out to saying that, hey, I mean, Cobra may not be back. So it, the first thing to keep in mind, his, you know, his, his family is far away from him. So if there is something going on from a family perspective that he needs to take care of, right? And I'm going to take Lucci as word that it's either family or kind of personal um, I mean, I, I could see that being a really big deal, right? So it's going to be tough for him to be yeah. focused on playing his best in FC Dallas while he's, you know, somewhere in Eastern Europe taking care of uh, a family matter. So it it would it'd be sad to see him go. I think that he had a really good run here, end of last year and the beginning of this year. Uh, well, I guess Does we'll see. Know anything about him? Like. In terms of is like he hasn't played in the Czech Republic since I think 20. Yeah, because he was in the Polish league, right? So, like, he hasn't played there. Yeah, he hasn't played there in almost eight years. Does, Does he have like. When you say, I guess family, like he doesn't, I don't think he's married. He's never, I've never seen anything about him being married with kids or anything. He doesn't strike me as that with a little bunch of baby cobras. But the, I guess the family thing would be some, to me, something like that would mean it's something temporary. Meaning it could be that he's not here right now, but could be returning next season. Or something of that sort. It sounds yeah very vague. I get the I get the impression that it's a, viewed as a temporary thing as well. Um, I, Jonathan kind of mentioned um, on Twitter that that I'd done some digging around. Um, my my understanding is that that the team has no like there were no plans to sell him or to, to move him out and that he wasn't, he was not considered surplus to requirements. Um, and so 
I take them at their complete word that this is indeed a, a situation that he's going to have to deal with and that's personal and not something that is um, soccer related. So, you know, and I, I don't want to, 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 you know, speculate or, or, or go digging too deep in, in, in another guy's, you know, personal life, but, um, let's you know, do it anyways. <laughs> but but I, I think that, um, what are two random, three random white guys from Texas going to do anyways? Let's have a podcast. I mean, I think that if we don't know, we shouldn't really say, yep. but also I think that the, uh, I mean, we just want him to like be able to be able to be eligible for selection. I mean, I, I don't see any reason why uh, that can't be where we are. Um, nope. I wouldn't worry either about it because we seem to be doing okay or average without him anyways. I, I don't know how the inside locker room's taking all this. There's a lot of like new guys coming in. Like if this isn't the season of change for uh, the locker room, I don't know what is. So I don't think it's going to have a huge effect on anybody or the team in general. I mean, just a bummer for memes is probably the biggest impact this has on the club. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is a so. he's a good locker room guy, and he's good in front of the camera. Everybody seems to love him. So, you know, and we just, you know, whatever the situation may be, we hope for the best for him and for his family. So, um, I, let's, I'm let's sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to let Tristan get away with that. I, I, I take exception to the fact that, you know, I think Cobra in his time here, especially in the last year and the beginning of this year has proved his worth as a scorer, right? He might not be, might not be pretty. He might be a poacher. He might be whatever, but I mean, he, he's the most consistent scorer that FC Dallas has had over, you know, across last season, probably the last 20 games. So not, and it's not, not to say that FC Dallas is just it, it has all this, you know, great competition, but uh, I'm not convinced. You know, Hara with his with his one goal is the guy. Um, so I, I think that it could be a detriment to, to FC Dallas, especially if you see, you know, Hara going to slump or maybe he just doesn't perform as we expect, right? So I think it's yeah. yes, it, it could be a locker room impact, but I also don't want to belittle the the impact that Cobra has had it, on the the win column. No, yeah, I think you know, Tristan's got his mouth full right now. So let me let me take a, sh- a stab at. Oh, is, he's done chewing. Are you done chewing? By okay. all means, continue talking. <laughs> My what I what I think he might have been trying to say here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that that this is the forward positions one that we actually have a lot of depth at where. Um, you know, because we're, we're not hurt having to shift players around to cover for center forward whenever he's gone, um, as we might with other positions. Um, there's Hara and um, Pepe, you know, at, that are both both doing well and playing well. Pepe's got two goals in less than 200 minutes. So, um, you know, it, it's – I don't think anybody's going to try to belittle the impact on the field that, that Cobra's had, but – at the same time, um, we actually have some depth there. Yep. No, I'm not. I mean, we can get into the match if you don't want. I mean, there's other news. I don't know. But <laughs> I'll explain my, like, reasoning behind why I'm saying 
I'm sure he's a good locker room guy, but the team's on-field performance shouldn't suffer. Um, and, like, all the best, but until he's eligible for selection, there's really nothing anybody can do. I mean, this guy is, like, he came in and was, like, such a mystery because he was older than most signings. He wasn't um, – he hadn't played for a large club. Um was nobody really knew anything about him and then and he really didn't get off the schneid until the very end of the season and so he's kind of an enigma for a lot of um casual fans at least and at least the league in general i mean i'm not saying he's a minus by any means but um to the team as a whole but uh yeah i think when we get into the match recap i can I'll explain why I'm excited, not necessarily to have him as a selection issue right now. Well, let's let's get into the match recap then. Tristan, you wanna you wanna give a match recap? Sure. FC Dallas traveled to <laughs> cold Minnesota, land of degrees. a thousand lakes, where the Vikings live, and they lost. And the uh, the loss was mainly due to. Uh, Ryan's Holling had Ryan Holling's had giving away a really cheap uh, pass in the first half that they gave Minnesota the go-ahead goal. Beyond that, I think a, a draw was a fair result. Um, the match ended with ten v eleven, with Minnesota having a uh, oh god, I can't remember the kid's name, but he sent off for essentially trying to tear a hole into the back calf of Andres Ricarte. Um, justified red card. There wasn't a whole lot to argue about VAR. I don't even think um, got involved. Uh, I The goal that we had, our second goal, was a um, went over the line. And then they, they mentioned that they don't have Hawkeye in MLS, which surprised me. Um, but Ricardo Pepe got the first goal for Dallas. And then the second goal was um, from a cameo by Santi Mascara, a nice, basically just overloading the box. Um, until we were able to get a, a header on the ball. And that then, was a corner kick. Yeah, and they really did crash it and overload that Minnesota defense. That I mean, both these teams were playing with, um, I wouldn't say backups, but not their first-choice defenders. And Minnesota has also uh, really failed to find a good, adequate replacement to Tyler Miller. Um, who they brought in this year to replace uh, Vito Manone, um, who actually won MLS Keeper of the Year last year, and then he's just disappeared. Um, but Tyler Miller was out for the season, I think with like a hip injury that he suffered a few weeks ago, and their their keeper looked as new as our keeper. So um, even though our keeper was like 30-something, um, exactly. New, new yeah, yeah. He was the backup <laughs> to Jimmy Maurer at in New York. Now he's the backup to Jimmy Maurer in Dallas. So I guess we. I mean, Jimmy's a a, a solid keeper, but um, the new guy from Brazil, Felipe. he can't get, he can't get through quarantine fast enough for me to at least see what he's got in terms of Lucci. I don't know, but uh, on the match itself. Um, we got to see uh, Pepe get his first start, I think, of the season. And uh, Jesus ended up coming in, playing really well. And Dante Seeley, in terms of debuts, made his uh, MLS debut. 
And Dante Seeley really changed a lot of the match. The other person who came in and got a debut was uh, Ricarte at, at halftime. Um, FC Dallas went into uh, the, the first half with a – it was 2-1 going into the – going into halftime, but it was 2 nothing for a lot of the first half. And because of that, uh, Lucci brought on Ricarte, and he really stabilized the game, I thought, for FC Dallas. Um, this is a guy that when you watch soccer, you like to see because he is not somebody that goes so fast that you don't know what's going to happen. But then when he makes the pass that he's trying to make, it's a really good pass. And you go, oh, I, I wouldn't have thought of that but that makes the most sense and that's something that FC Dallas hasn't had a lot of since Mauro Diaz now this is 45 minutes so who the hell knows if this is what we're going to get every time but it looked really good yeah I think so you just there's a lot to unpack there uh but let's yeah. let's stick with Ricarte uh just because it's the most recent thing and that's what I remember that you have said um so the way I think of his performance is that he he was not afraid to make an aggressive pass into the box, and that's something that we haven't had on the team for a while. It's it seems to be um, a lot of a lot of possession on the outside of the box, but nobody's willing to to put the ball into someone making a run in a dangerous area. Um, and you could see several times where he had those through balls. Um, right through the right through zone fourteen, and which is right in front of the um, right in front of the eighteen yard box, and and it it he he made us he made FC Dallas seem dangerous at times. Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I I like what I've seen so far from from Ricarte. Uh, I'm we'll we'll see. Like like Tristan said, it was it was a half uh, of of a game. Uh, he did come in. I, I do think that uh, it wasn't just about that change. I mean, there's there's uh, an overall formation change when uh, they came into the second half. Uh, yeah, but he he did well. He uh, Ricardo did well. He he definitely was on the front foot. So if you look at his passing chart, not a lot of backwards passes. Um, he had two key passes. One of them was, uh, uh, the corner kick. Uh, so not a bad debut. I think one of the other things that we saw out of him was, uh, his ability to defend. Right. And so I don't, I don't think he's just going to be, you know, a pure number 10, you know, he's not gonna be a Mauro Diaz guy that, you know, um, is going to get pushed around. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a pretty big dude for number 10, uh, at six foot. Uh, so we'll see. I like what I like what I saw. One of the things that you know, really jumped out to me, though, is just if we rewind a little bit, is you know, to me, this is probably the first game that I, I really want to come out and say what happened in the first half that was all on Lucci. Maybe not all on Lucci. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Ryan made a, made a, made some mistakes on that first goal, right? But why he was playing in that spot as they – as a central center back in a three-man back line, right? For a guy who's, I think he had played center back one time before. I just, I, I don't understand the purpose of that, that three center back lineup, right? Unless, I mean, yeah. it, 
I know Dustin, I think you, 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 you had some thoughts. I think I saw something on Twitter that, you know, you were going to enlighten us, but I mean, I, my, my first thought was what was wrong with that first half, at least, at least the first kind of 30 minutes or so until you saw, uh, FC Dallas adjust a bit and actually start pushing forward, uh, either, uh, Ziegler or Ryan, you know, would, would kind of take turns making runs into the, into the midfield, which helped relieve a little bit of the pressure, uh, while they were sitting back, man, it was, it was ugly. And I was just, I was waiting for Minnesota to score. Yeah. And you know, people keep talking about that, what the way they came out as three at the back, but really what, what it was, was five at the back. It was, and you know, they, Hollings maybe, Ed maybe and, even seven at the back. <laughs> well, I wish, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, Hollingshead came out and said it after the match. Lucci said it a little bit like the, the game plan was to to sit back and uh, defend and then catch them on on the counters. Um, and then, you know, Hollingshead said that he was there in the center because he was going to push forward and try to break through the lines up the middle, whereas uh, and provide support up the middle a little bit higher up the pitch than a normal center back would. Uh, but, you know, that didn't happen. None of the players really pushed when they got the ball. There was a lot of miscues, you know, one by him by himself, right, uh, that, co- that cost the team. Um, and it was – the circumstances and, the like, their play off out of the gate made it so that they couldn't actually execute their game plan very well. And it really exposed them and exposed, you know, that tactic or the way Lucci wanted to go out. Um, you know, I, I'm not trying to defend what, what Lucci did there. I, I, I can understand, uh, what they're trying, but it, yeah, I mean, there's no other way to say it, but this, besides it, it just didn't work. No, it didn't. And it was, it was apparent pretty quickly that it wasn't going to work. Uh, and, and I think that they adjusted too slowly. So. Uh, yep. I will give one credit. I mean, Ryan did talk about the, you, you mentioned that the plan was to have him push forward and in that goal in the 42nd minute, he actually did do that. So if you actually go back and watch that poll, that goal, Ryan helped overload the zone, right? When we got yep. that, when we got that goal. And so that's when FC Alice got it. Uh, so that was, that was a positive thing. Of course, they were already down, down uh, what, two to zero at the time. So um, a lot of damage had already been done. I just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp on it. I just, you know, I was, I was not surprised to see it because it seems like away from home, Lucci has liked to play that three man back line or five man, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I was just surprised that they did it with that personnel. Yeah. I think somebody else uh, has mentioned that, you know, why, why have Ryan in the center instead of over on the right? And I think it, I think it really goes back to, how they wanted to use him and not like where he would be, be best or where would be best for Brisson to go. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't think I have much more to say on how they rolled out. No, the, but I at did the beginning I, of that first house. I liked, the, I did time. like the halftime adjustment though. So we, we saw uh, Ricarte come in for Nelson, which meant that uh, Ryan shifted back to left back, which is his, you know, his best position. Right. Uh, and then, uh, Reynolds 
took over that right back spot and they went to a four in the back. And I think that from then on, despite the fact that they had, you know, in theory, one less defender, um, they looked a lot more balanced. Yeah. The second half was made me excited to see the rest of the team because uh, the rest of the season for this team, because um, you got to see Reynolds really get established. That kid is fast and long and he has control and he has instinct. One of the things that Reggie always pissed me off with was he didn't have good instincts going forward. It was like, I'm supposed to, so I'm going to. And it was not like felt mechanical. I'm going to do something, right? Yeah. And so um, I'm really excited to see what Reynolds does. And then the other part that was really cool, and this is why I don't know that not having Cobra is a huge deal for this team, is with that, you need forwards that are going to be quick to adapt to wing play. And Cobra was always the type to score from the top of the box to maybe, I mean, he really doesn't have like a lot of aerial ability with like off corners necessarily, but he's just, but he was always in good spots at the top of the box. And this team will really benefit from the pace up front. I still contend that Barrios is in his worst shape he's been in. And at FC Dallas, uh, this season still, I still don't think, feel like he's anywhere close to where he was last year. And then the other part that was really awesome to watch was the way that Ricarte would, would hit the diagonals between the lines. You you would see players getting forward, whether it was Barrios or whether it was Reynolds. And then Pepe's trying to make a break for that. And Frank O'Hara you could tell was kind of drifting in and out of play. And so by the time that Sealy came on, Sealy was ready to run at these guys. And I just have to say in any other league, that's even like a ten, tinge bit, like more prominent than MLS. Was he 17, a 17 year old kid coming in on his debut and nutmegging a defender and then getting past him, yeah, would be, like, the biggest story of the week. And, like, it was like it was nothing. I mean, I get it. They lost. But, like, I saw that and I thought, this kid has chops. Which, his dad was a former professional. Yeah, whatever that means. And so, um... I sorry, I've never heard that before in my life. Um, uh, the I don't disbelieve you. I'm just saying, we'll have to ask <laughs> never heard of Techers. Um, but yeah, he speaks for Britain. Um, so the uh, gall to do that was really exciting to see, and I think part of that comes from like this is one of the top prospects out of the academy that um, is a pure. I mean, he's just pure athleticism as well as skill, right? Like that's a perfect combination. And now he just needs to put it all together with the instincts and w- gelling with the team. And if we're going to end up starting Pepe, Reynolds, um, Tessman, and uh, I thought Tessman looked really good. I thought Ricarte had this, had this effect on Tessman when Tessman came in 
that, that I'm not going to just blast these balls across field. He was doing a ton of balls over the cross to over to the left for like uh, Barrios to get right. And, and he, at first he was doing that, but then he started to kind of pause when Ricarte would pause and look for it. And I thought Tessman was getting really, um, I thought Tessman was affected by that. Um, so all of these things combined to say that I think Sealy adds a lot of dynamite, dynamite to this team. I have no idea if, um, when everybody's healthy, uh, if he's even like in this, the starting or in the 20 on the bench or anything, but I loved what I saw there. He is unknown. He is an enigma. He was very dynamic. Um, whereas the back line looked shaky and that, that, that kind of goes to what y'all were saying where, um, this team looked like they weren't sure what they were supposed to be doing exactly the first 45 minutes. And um, when they tried to do what uh, the coach was telling them to, they're either incapable or it's just the first time they've had to do this. And Jonathan, if you've listened to any of the podcasts we did a couple of years ago, when Ryan had these seasons where you would look at what our back line was, and I did a graphic when I had more time, but basically, when Ryan's expected to be like the main right back, I don't know why this wasn't an issue on the left side. But this was when you had the Ziegler Hedges partnership, but also um, Figueroa was in there. You had some of the, the older central defenders. Um, Hollings had just really had issues. And so I hope this was temporary. I hope this was an injury thing. I I hope Matt and Matt's back soon. I actually like Nelson. I think he was just forced to make the change because Matt couldn't or Ryan couldn't play anywhere else. Um, but that's I think this team has shown that they can play a quick counterattacking style and still play out from the back and still have moments that Lucci wants to see. But the talent itself is built to be a counterattacking team that really goes after the ball. So I don't know what y'all thought about that speed. The speed was just great. The there's one other thing. I, I'm just I'm gonna gonna bring it up and then put a pin on it for maybe our next episode. Uh, Tristan kind of mentioned mentioned Mikey. I think I mean we've I've heard people complaining about you know he's having a a really bad year. He needs to be benched. I, I'm I'm not there yet. Let's keep an eye on how he's playing the next couple uh, couple of games. Maybe it'll be a good conversation for our our next podcast. But uh, I'm not I'm not as down on Mikey as I think a lot of other people are right now. Yeah, yeah he's he's gone through these dry spells before. If I remember, like two or three years ago, there was 20, 2018, was, Man, eight. He went like eighteen games uh, without like a goal. And then he got a goal or assist seven straight games and like nine out of 11, right? It's Yeah, so he, and he had a breakout 2019. So Exactly. So I don't focus too much on the stats. Yes, he got an assist uh, last night. Well, let's, let's, let's see how his game progresses. Yep. Well, everyone's game is going to have to progress because Saturday is the second leg of the Texas Derby and pretty much the midpoint of the season – um, I, I think Houston's going to be a real tough match. 
I think that they're starting to fire on all of the cylinders. They're getting some of their key players in form. Um, I, I, you know, I haven't sat down and watched any of the their games. Just kind of looking at, uh, um, you know, our friend uh, at Texas Soccer Journal and what he's been putting online. Um, but I, I'm kind of worried about Saturday, to be honest. Tristan, are you worried I- about Houston? I, I'm not. I'm not worried about Houston. I mean, they've won three games in a row, um, which is like good or whatever. But uh, I, I'm actually really excited about. I thought the second half of this game was really promising. If we can play with some of that fire, right? with some of the younger players. I, I mean, like, I don't do the press conferences, so Jonathan, you might have a better idea, but the FC Dallas Twitter account was, like, really excited about some of these younger guys making their debuts, coming on, playing together, and frankly, I think it's a good mix of 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 talent that Lucci has at the back. Yeah, we're kind of screwed. We can only win by having more bullets in the chamber, right? <laughs> and we're definitely going to take a couple hits, I think, is is what I would summarize our, our strategy. But I think we're going to come back with some firepower. Uh, Riddles, I mean, guys, that guy looks really good. I mean, only one match, but he's shown promise, so... I'm excited. I, I don't think we're going to be – I mean, Houston's going to present a challenge, but I think this team has a lot of stuff to say they did well. And then I have no idea when Maurer's coming back. I think it's still going to be – he's still going to be out, so I think it's going to be Zobek. But um, we'll need to have – I think he has some areas to improve on, but he made some great saves at the end, some good reaction saves, right? And that's what you want to see from a keeper. That it's kind of holding you – um, holding steady until we can get somebody else that's more permanent, right? Is to make saves when called upon. And uh, he, he did that. And he's not doing anything crazy with his distribution. Um, I think as long as we can get that back line cleaned up and kind of figure out what we're doing from minute one versus minute 41, I, I, I don't know, man. I think this team has has some fight. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they deal with uh, Elise and uh, Minotas and and some of the the folks that are starting to starting to find their and they, Houston did give up a real late goal to Colorado uh, t- to lose some points yesterday or yeah on yesterday. Wednesday so yep and they're trying to sell the club I mean that's always unsettling so. Yeah, I know uh, with the with the last Houston game, I think Dustin and I were both expecting a very open game with lots of goals, and we ended up with a zero zero draw. So, I man, I, so I don't know for sure what to expect out of Houston, but what we have seen since then is they have been not just winning, but they've also been scoring in droves, right? So I think the you know, with the two games against uh, uh, Sporting Kansas City, one was five two, and one is two to one. They beat Minnesota, who you know we just lost to right three to zero uh just about a week ago uh as dustin mentioned right i think uh, colorado got a 
a, a late goal and ended up being tied on uh, Wednesday night against them. But yeah, I, I think they're a, a dangerous team. I think that they will create chances. Uh, I agree with you, Tristan, as far as that it's going to depend probably a lot more on uh, how the team does defensively uh, than offensively. So I think I do think that if if we can keep Houston, if FC Dallas can keep them to one goal or or no goals, then they've got a really good chance of of getting points in Houston. Uh, if we see anything like we saw. Uh, in Minnesota, where we're giving, where it's a two goal or three goal, there's I, I don't think that FC Dallas can keep up with that. Yeah, we shall see. Whenever FC Dallas uh, takes on Houston on Saturday evening. All right. Well, if you've enjoyed the show, you can hit subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at Dallas Soccer Show, online DallasSoccerShow.com, and thanks for listening.